Live Creative Now, episode 136. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work, because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, Passion Floralite artist, happiness catalyst, and creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind or anything in between, no matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life, and it's how you change the world, because that is how it works. Change your life, and the world changes. And I have been working on changing my own life. I've been working on changing my or adding a business model. I'm developing a new business. I'm starting a new creative consultancy called Creative Sandbox Solutions. And one of my not so secret weapons, I haven't really talked about it on the podcast, my secret weapon, but it's not like I keep it secret. I just haven't talked about it on the podcast is a powerhouse online business community called Co-Commercial. And there's a link in the show notes, livecreativenow.com slash 136, because this is episode 136. Co-Commercial is a business community, a community for business people, and small business owners, which I honestly don't think I could live without at this point. And it was started by Tara Gentili, who teaches a lot of classes over at Creative Live. And I've been following for many years now. And Co-Commercial has gone through multiple iterations. It was called various different things. And it (laughs) had all sorts of different formats. And at this point, it's really hit its stride. And You know, it's growing a lot. We have yet to see how it handles growth. The jury is out on that. But right now, as a member of the leadership circle, there's different levels of membership, and I'm in the leadership circle, and I feel like I have struck gold. I cannot speak highly enough about co-commercial. And anyway, the real value in co-commercial is the community, the resource there is amazing. And they and the leadership circle has all these different events throughout the month. There are um, these mastermind, flash masterminds, they're called and their live calls. And there's just so much stuff going on. It's it's amazing. And, and, and of course, there's an online forum. That's not on Facebook. It's not on a Google plus group or anything like that. It's in uh, a mighty network. And I really like it. And I'm on there all the time. And and I get so much value. I, get, I just get so much help there. Anytime I have a question, I post there and I get amazing answers. Anyway, this 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 uh, episode really is not about co-commercial. But um, 
Tara Gentili, who started Co-Commercial, is kind of a small business genius. And one of the many gems that I've gotten from Tara over the years is a concept that she calls the living room strategy. And in a nutshell, the idea behind the living room strategy is to hand invite a select group of past customers or past clients to a sort of minimum viable experience in order to get you from idea to income essentially quickly. And the idea is to get you to develop an offer that's based on actual individual needs so that you're creating something that people really want rather than something that you just dreamed up out of the top of your head, right? And so that you craft a sales message that's designed for who you want in your program or using your product or whatever, so that you know it really resonates with them. And it's the idea is to help you do the least amount possible to create a really great experience based on who you're actually serving, and to help you make money quickly, like right now. So it's really like a minimum viable experience, because what people tend to do is they create this idea of this, like, oh, it's got to be this enormous product. It's got to have video and it's got to have this, it's got to have that. And then they never create it or they create this huge, enormous thing that nobody actually really wants because they never tested it. (laughs) So that's the whole point. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you all of this is that just two, I guess it was two Saturdays ago on November 11th, I put a really super modified version of the living room strategy to use to run a Lego serious play team building workshop for five people in my actual living room. It was mostly in my dining room, but around my dining room table. But I thought that I would share with you what I learned from that experience because it was a gold mine. My goals were really different from Tara's living room strategy goals, though. I was not trying to make any money. I didn't charge anything for it. And I was not trying to develop an offer based on actual individual needs. These were not past clients of mine. My goals were to get experience, putting some training that I had recently completed into practice, and to get some feedback and to gain confidence and to get me one step closer to my big dream of of growing this consultancy that I've started, which now has its own website, creativesandbox.solutions. And you can also go to creativesandboxsolutions.com. I bought both of those domains. And I now have a DBA, a, a fictitious business name, Creative Sandbox Solutions. I own it now. So, you know, I own the business, but it's not, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not a a viable business yet because I'm, I don't have any paying clients yet. So this uh, practice workshop, the living room strategy uh, point of doing a practice workshop was to get me one step closer to that. So here's some background. You may know that I recently completed 40 hours of advanced training and certification in Lego serious play methods and materials. This is a methodology that is very hard to fully communicate in words. Um, My master trainer advised us to host a workshop immediately as quickly as possible upon returning home from our training. This is up in British Columbia. 
even if that meant bribing friends and family with cookies or however we needed to do that. And as I said, it's really hard to fully communicate the power of this methodology. It's so experiential, people really need to experience it to appreciate the immense transformative power and value of this kind of workshop. And as a brand new facilitator and consultant, I don't have a client base in the organizational or corporate world that I can call on and say, hey, I've worked with you in the past, would you like to try something new the next time you hire me or whatever? Or we've got a a workshop coming up, let's just throw in this new thing. Um, There's some real challenges here. And the first of which is it's really hard to get people to hire you when you don't have social proof from previous workshops. (laughs) There aren't people from previous workshops that I've led saying, wow, that was amazing. It got X, Y, and Z results for us. The other challenge is you don't get the chance to practice or get that social proof if nobody hires you, right? So I developed, it's it's a catch-22. So I developed the following game plan. Number one, run a practice workshop for friends and family to get, first of all, comfortable with the mechanics and the timing of leading a workshop in super low stakes setting, in a super low stakes setting, get some feedback and grow my confidence. That's step one. Step two, book some, a handful of pro bono workshops or low priced workshops in exchange for feedback, testimonials or um, success stories, right? Case studies, referrals, photography and video, pro bono or low priced workshops for nonprofits or for profits, whatever. That's step two. And then step three armed with the confidence and feedback and social proof and testimonials, etc. from number one and number two, start going after the bigger game clients. So what I want to share today focuses on number one, which is the practice workshop. In a living room strategy, pure living room strategy, as Tara Gentili talks about it, the idea is to pilot a program for the actual clients that you would be running your ultimate program for, but in a really low stakes manner. The program doesn't necessarily have to be fully built out because your clients can help you build it. And that's the purpose of the living room strategy. In my case, with the Lego Series Play Workshop, I already have a roadmap slash curriculum, including a slide deck that came as part of my training. So what I was interested in mostly, and, and all of this would be customized anyway for every single client that I work with, What I was interested in mostly was getting used to the mechanics of facilitating it and how it all fit together. So my clients, my potential clients are threefold. First, there's the client who hires me. That's likely to be a team lead, a head of marketing, someone in HR at an organization. Then second, there's the CEO or the department head who actually writes the check or approves the writing of the check that pays me. And then there's the participant in the workshop, who could be the member of an executive team or a board member or any staff member or really any employee of an organization. So there's really three different clients that I need to 
think about. The people in my practice workshop, they were four different friends from my improv community, all of whom I perform with, plus my husband. (laughs) And all of these people are essentially like the participants in a workshop, uh, number three that I was talking about of the potential clients. And I most likely won't be selling to the people in that group. But, but, you know, I could end up with anybody in a workshop that I offer out in the real world. So it was perfectly appropriate to have a group of random friends in my practice workshop. Now, how did I get butts in seats? That was a big question. I came home from my Lego serious play training on October 21st. And on October 27th, I sent an email to 25 local friends and family members that I thought would be open and interested in doing the workshop. And here's what I wrote. The subject was, want to play with Lego with me? <laughs> I thought maybe some people would be interested in that subject line enough to open the email. I wrote, dear friends and family, yes, I'm serious. I'm looking for a few people to come play with Lego with me for a very specific purpose. Here's the story. Last week, I was in Whistler, British Columbia, getting trained and certified in a methodology called Lego Serious Play, or LSP for short. I first encountered LSP at a conference last June and was so blown away by the power of this methodology that I knew I had to get advanced training so I could facilitate it. Lego Serious Play is like nothing I've ever experienced. It is a method and process to enhance innovation and performance that uses Lego bricks to enable people to, quote, think with their hands, solve problems, explore ideas, and achieve objectives. It allows teams to understand each other's interpretations and create deeper shared meaning of key ideas. In Lego Serious Play, everyone builds and everyone shares, resulting in more democratic meetings and a level playing field with equal, quote, airtime for all participants. Lego Serious Play works best for any kind of sticky question, problem, or situation where there is no obvious answer, including team building slash team alignment, goal setting, idea generation slash innovation of products and services, identifying values and behaviors, clarifying the current situation, creating a shared vision, organizational strategy. And then in parentheses, I write, it's amazing for strategy. My favorite part of my training was using it to stress test different scenarios in order to, quote, bulletproof an organization. Here's where you come in. As a newly certified facilitator of this method, I want to get some practice in a zero stakes environment before running a workshop for a paying client. And I need participants to run a four hour Lego serious play workshop in my living room. What's in it for you? You'll get to spend four hours with me. You'll have a blast. You'll get to experience an amazing methodology you may want to bring to your work slash life. I'll feed you well. I'll provide lots of yummy snacks. You'll have all the coffee and tea you desire. You'll have my eternal gratitude. Sound fun? Are you in? Great. Fill out this doodle poll to let me know your availability link. 
in parentheses, I included, and if you have any friends you think might be interested, great, invite them to fill out the doodle poll too. I just need names, emails, and phone numbers so I can contact them. I only have room for six people max, but even two people will be invaluable and enough for me to run a workshop. Any questions? Reply and I'll be happy to answer them. Thanks so much, XO, Melissa. If I had been a living room strategy purist, I would have reached out to individuals personally, which is what Tara strongly recommends that people do. But I wanted to get the message out really quickly. So much as I hated to send a mass email, that's what I did. I BCC'd everyone that I invited directly from my Gmail account. And honestly, I didn't know if anyone would respond because four hours on a Saturday, that's a pretty big ask. But within the hour, very quickly, I had my first doodle poll respondent who indicated two dates that would work for him. And also within the hour, I had my first email from somebody else trying to respond to the doodle poll, but unable to because something weird was going on with doodle. And that turned out not to be an isolated incident. Someone else had trouble. There were at least two people who couldn't get the doodle poll to work. So that was a lesson that um, don't assume that the tech works just because it works for you. It may not actually work. (laughs) So in the end, I actually had to abandon the stupid doodle poll and turn to email and texting to figure out the final date and time for everybody. So lesson next time have an alternative schedule polling system in place. All right. Eventually, I did get a date, November 11th, and after a lot of back and forth with the four friends who had RSVP'd, plus my husband, who was number five, he was game, we zeroed in on a time, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and now I just had to get all my ducks in a row, prep the content, prep the music playlist in Spotify, prepare the space, make sure I had snacks and drinks, PowerPoint ready to go, flip charts ready to go, get all the Lego ready to go. Basically, I had like a to-do list a mile long (laughs) and working out the kinks in that to-do list is exactly why I was running this practice workshop. So we get to the day of Saturday morning and I had just gotten everything set out to go when one of my attendees texted that she was stuck in really bad traffic and she'd be 15 minutes late. And then Another one texted that her babysitter was late. Huh. This is where it pays to be an improviser. I had a roadmap for the workshop and and an internal agenda for myself all printed out. But I know from experience of teaching classes not to expect to cleave to a preset agenda, to be prepared that things are going to not go as planned. So both of my late attendees had urged me to just go ahead and start without them. But this was a team building workshop. And it's not the kind of thing that works when one or two people come in really late, especially when the entire group is only five people. So thankfully, I had this like metaphorical toolkit of activities to pull from. So while we waited, we did a couple of unplanned activities to fill the time. And because I had printed out that roadmap, 
and I had a projected start and end time for each section, I was able to adjust on the fly over the course of the day. And I pulled out one of the activities entirely. And I ended completely on time, even though we started 45 minutes late. So that was a relief. Anyway, special bonus, I happened to be in a class the Wednesday and Thursday, the week before the workshop that led to this amazing bonus when Shelly Waldman, who is an amazing professional photographer, as well as a business strategist, her website is businessjuice.co. She is local to where I live, and she dropped by and took some professional photos. I have not received them yet, so I can't show them to you. But there are a couple of photos from my iPhone of the workshop over in the show notes, so you can go check them out. And I got photo releases, except for one person who was fine with photos, as long as I didn't show her face. Um, So I will ultimately get those professional photos up on my new website at creativesandbox.solutions. I'm super excited about that. Anyway, um, that was an unexpected surprise bonus. And the ultimate outcome from this practice workshop was for my participants that they had a total blast. They took four hours out of their Saturday, largely out of a desire to help me because they were my friends, combined with simple curiosity, and they thanked me afterwards. It was awesome. One woman even said she was surprised by how much insight she got into herself. And she's thanked me. She's seen me three or four times since then. And every single time she has thanked me. (laughs) So that was super validating. And the biggest outcome for me of running a practice workshop is a huge lessening of anxiety and a huge increase in confidence because I've, I've gone through the paces. And for me, before I've gone through the paces on a new thing, man, I can be a bundle of nerves. But once I've actually done it, it just calms me right down. And it boosts my confidence like nothing else. Just doing it. And for that alone, the practice workshop was invaluable because there's a big difference between thinking about something and actually doing it, doing it with real participants. I also learned a ton that there's just no way I could have figured out just through thinking. This is why doing it is so important. For example, I learned how important it is to clarify the materials expectations for my participants. So one section of the workshop for about an hour Everyone builds their identity on the team. They're using Lego to build metaphors of their identity. And there are five builds, in this case, in this workshop, there were five little builds. And each build is very short, just a two minutes long, maybe three. And when they build a piece of their identity, they they snap that onto a, a base plate that's like five inches by five inches. And later those identities get placed onto a landscape of the table. So it's really important that they're easily moved around and they're not a jumble of separate small pieces. 
And the workshop made me realize that it'd be super helpful to make it clear at the start that everything they build during this portion needs to snap onto the base plate and that they need to make sure to leave room for all five, that there's going to be five builds. And then they that base plate needs to contain all five of those builds. So that was super helpful. Uh, also need to clarify time expectations. The attendees shared that it was really helpful or would have been helpful for them to know exactly how much time they had for each build. 90 seconds, two minutes, three minutes, three and a half minutes, so that they could be thinking how much time do they have to build, you know, their strength or their aspiration or whatever they were asked to build. And that's super easy for me to state up front. And it, and it was very useful for me to hear that from them. The other thing is to, um, to assess experience levels. Turned out that one of my attendees had never actually put Lego together before. So she kind of struggled with the technical aspect of getting the bricks to snap together. And that was really illuminating as to something I just hadn't thought about. So I have come up with a really fun way to get a group to self-assess according to Lego assembly experience. And then if there are any Lego newbies in the room to solicit willing helpers who might be, uh, who might enjoy sitting near them to lend a hand if, uh, if the newbies need, need that kind of help. And then also there's the Lego distraction effect. A couple of the guys in the group, I think actually all three of the guys in the group said that as soon as the Lego was poured on the table, they had a really hard time concentrating and they just wanted to build. And they suggested putting, uh, considering having a few bricks out for people to play with at the start during the few minutes of introduction. And by the way, doodling, whether it's with a pen or pencil, or whether it's in 3D with Lego bricks, has actually been shown to help with information retention. So that was that was useful to hear from my participants, uh, that, that it was distracting to have the bricks there and to feel like they couldn't start building yet. Also, as I mentioned, I had these, I had a PowerPoint from my training and I used that slide deck exactly as I received it. But one of my top values is beauty and aesthetics. And that slide deck really desperately needs an injection of good design. So that <laughs> using it in the practice workshop made me realize I cannot <laughs> use that slide deck as it is. It needs to be, yeah, it needs to be redesigned before I can use it with uh, real clients. So yeah live and learn. Okay. And the other thing is don't apologize. I started off my workshop by thanking everyone for coming and then by sort of apologizing for the fact that the day might be a little bit messy. And as one of my friends from the improv world pointed out afterwards, just like starting a performance by saying, you know, I'm not very good at this, or, you know, in any way that you start to apologize, you're strengthening your apology muscle. And she's right. Don't apologize beforehand, even to a group of friends. Just go. Now, you can apologize when you make a mistake, which I totally did later in the workshop. I totally blew an activity where everybody got somebody else's name, sort of like a secret Santa game, and one person got left out. So somebody got two two name, or some person's name was given out twice, 
And one person's name was not given out at all. And that was my mistake. And I apologized for that. I felt really badly about it. The The person whose name got left out, he wasn't upset at all. But I felt really badly and I apologized. And I have figured out how not to repeat that mistake next time. It will not happen again. Um, do apologize when you make a mistake, but do not apologize in advance <laughs> for something. <laughs> okay, lessons learned. Um And then the other thing is reinforce that it's not a competition. This was a great lesson. The activities are timed in these workshops. You give people a short period of time to build based on a challenge or a suggestion, a question. And probably because we live in a competitive culture, it's easy for people to fall into feeling like the builds are competitions, you know, like who finishes first or who builds the biggest or whatever. And especially for people who might feel less skilled with Lego, like the person in my workshop who'd never snapped bricks together before, it can feel like a a competition and that can feel not good, right? So, you know, observing how competitive people, how, how competitive people in a group tend to be can be interesting for assessment purposes. But the point of my Lego Serious Play workshops is to bring groups together, especially for team building, right? So even if the ultimate outcome is, say, strategy or problem solving or something, we always start with team building first. So creating a competitive environment is not good. Reinforcing that it's not a competition is really super important. Okay, so those were the lessons learned. Follow up a couple things I didn't do at the workshop itself, probably because it was friends and I wanted to make sure one person had to leave and you know, I wanted to wrap up quickly. I didn't ask for testimonials and I didn't ask for referrals. I think I was also so wiped out <laughs> from all the anxiety and the prep. And I didn't want to ask too much of my participants because I felt like it was such a big ask to get them to come at all. So what I did do is I emailed them individually afterwards to make these requests and they haven't they haven't uh, replied. So I will follow up again. But anyway, um, you know, another lesson learned. This is an entirely new business model for me, this in-person revenue engine, which I expect to be largely based on referrals once it gets going. So I am figuring it out as I go along, live and learn. But part one of my game plan, which was to do this practice workshop, with, of course, follow-up still to continue, part one is complete. And part two is in motion. I am working on that. I may have, I don't have a date scheduled, but I may have my first pro bono workshop. So moving forward, guys. And yes, if you are interested in doing living room strategy for whatever it is you might do in the world... It, it doing it in an actual living room actually works. So onward ho, I hope this is helpful. And that brings us to this week's something cool, which is Dean stair treads, specifically, okay, this is a mouthful, non-slip, tape-free, pet-friendly, stair gripper, natural fiber, Cecil carpet stair treads, in island sand with black binding, plus a matching two foot by three foot 
landing mat. <laughs> that is the specific model that I happen to have. <laughs> so here's the deal. We just recently had finally had our white carpet ripped out and our when you can hear all about the white carpet disaster. I had white carpet in the townhouse for the 11 years that I have lived there, lived here. And it was just awful. White carpet does not work with pets. And I never liked the white carpet. I never wanted the white carpet, but I didn't have the funds to take out the white carpet when I moved in in 2006. Finally, 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 finally had the floors and stairs redone with bamboo. And we love our bamboo. And bamboo is really slippery. And we were super, super nervous about slipping and falling on our newly slippery stairs. And so I looked into getting a runner, stair runner, but then I discovered these stair treads, Dean stair treads. And I read the reviews and said that they don't move and they don't require, ta- you know, tape or anything. And so we decided to give them a try and they're removable. So you can take them off to clean or paint or do whatever you want. And They seemed like it would be cheaper and easier than having a runner installed. And, you know, I still have a cat and we still dog sit. And I thought if there's any accidents on the stairs, it seemed like it would be a heck of a lot easier to clean removable stair treads on bamboo than a permanently installed runner. So anything that doesn't slip but is easily removed for cleaning sounded like the way to go to me. We love them. They don't move. And our kitty Nika loves them too. So check them out. Dean stair treads. The we got this natural fiber Cecil carpet ones. They come with different color bindings. We got the black. Just seemed very, I don't know, like it just sort of is unobtrusive. <laughs> we love them. We're very happy with them. So that is today's something cool. That's it. That's a wrap. If you're getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And I would be super appreciative if you take a moment, hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. If you need help with how to do that, I have created a step-by-step guide over at melissadinwitty.com slash iTunes hyphen review and actually livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review will take you to the same place. Email me to let me know you left a review and let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your own life. If you'd like to be considered for the listener spotlight, that is how you apply. If I pick you, we'll have a really fun, relaxed conversation and you'll get to be featured as a guest on the podcast. How cool is that? Just leave a review, rating and review over on iTunes. Email me to let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your life and that you let me know you left a review. And uh, yeah, that's how you'll be. um, That's how you apply. That is it. Until next time. Thanks again for joining me. And go get creating. Live Creative Now. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.